radical leftists make the 4th of July all about them. The White House celebrates saving 16 cents on 4th of July cookouts despite Americans generally paying more for everything else. And Biden's economic blunders threaten to stop the American recovery. My name is Big Red. You're listening to the Big Red for America show. Let's get right into it, shall we? Most patriotic Americans spend the 4th of July celebrating the best country on the face of the earth, but some radical leftists had to make it all about them. Cori Bush, who's a black congresswoman from Missouri, tweeted this out on the 4th of July. When they say that the 4th of July is about American freedom, remember this. The freedom they're referring to is for white people. This land is stolen land and black people still aren't free. Wow. So this is particularly toxic coming from an elected congresswoman. Um... And just like the leftist athletes I talked about last week, Miss Bush is an example of how not racist America is because she is an elected representative. She is governing the nation, just like LeBron James, you know, the most successful NBA athlete, you know, rich beyond his wildest dreams. Just like him, Cori Bush is an example of how not racist America is. Her seat has been held by a black American since 1968. 1968. And yet she still has the nerve and the gall to say that black people still aren't free. So just like last week, how I talked about how critical race theorists are stuck in the past, um, it's the exact same thing with Miss Bush. Just to dissect her tweet a little bit, you know, where are black people in this country not free? Because last time I checked, no one still holds slaves. The 13th Amendment literally freed slaves in 1865. That's over 156 years ago. 156 years ago. Welcome to the present, Cori Bush. Everyone, everyone, regardless of race, is free to make a life for themselves in America. The freest and most prosperous country ever. And in terms of stolen land that she keeps lamenting over, every country ever in the existence of this planet has conquered land and moved populations from one place to another. Literally every country ever. So I want to know why it's wrong, why Cori Bush thinks it's wrong when Americans did it, but not when the American uh, Indians did it to each other before then. Or why literally any other people who did this in the past, it's not wrong for them, but suddenly it's wrong for America. It's just, it's just boggling, it boggles my mind. America is by no means perfect and has definitely done some pretty horrible things in its past, but don't pretend that America is the only nation to ever do these things. Have some historical competence, you know, don't be ignorant at least. Just try not to be ignorant. It's just dishonest and ignorant. But of course, Cori Bush says these things to try to push a particular narrative and a particular political platform. Cori Bush continues tweeting from ignorance when she says, we know what our freedom looks like. End the slavery permitted under the 13th Amendment. And my little question for her is, what slavery? I mean, I'm assuming she's talking about incarceration, but there are no slaves in America. She continues, end the war on drugs, end police violence, which of course means defund the police, end healthcare, housing, and education apartheid. And this is just more leftist garbage because Cori Bush wants race to be the deciding factor in all these decisions. She wants, she wants to have a big government that will use race to determine who gets what healthcare, who determines what ho- who gets what housing, and who gets what education. So she wants racist outcomes, but she just wants it to be races she likes. And then she can she finishes it off. We are the experts of our own liberation and we won't stop until it's won. 
So this just fits into the radical left, you know, the progressive left's idea of perpetual revolution where they're never going to stop. This is why you never give in to the left because they're never going to stop. They're just going to keep taking more and more and more until eventually they destroy the system and create some sort of racist um, caste system in its place. And that's, that is what the end, that is the end that Cori Bush wants to create. It's the end that the progressives want to create. And it's frightening and it should be frightening. That's why we have to fight against it. That's why we have to fight against critical race theory, particularly in our schools. And just like every other leftist, um, Representative Bush doesn't provide any real solutions or even cite any sources. It's all just leftist mumbo jumbo. Uh, that's the purpose of it is to divide us along racial lines because Democrats believe racial division is the best way to stay in power. The Democrats believe pinning black against white will keep them in power. So along this line, Representative Bush would fit right in with the Democrats of the South who suppressed the African-American vote in the Jim Crow era. Um, if And I'm sure that these Democrats would have given black Americans the right to vote a lot sooner if they would have realized how to harness them for political power like the modern Democratic Party has. I know that's really controversial. Oh, oh Big Red, you can't say that. Well, I just did, and it's, and it's true. It's absolutely true. And I actually agree with Representative Bush that there is slavery in the United States, but it's an ideological slavery that Democrats lord over minorities, particularly black Americans, to keep them in check and to keep them from stepping out and stepping into the Republican Party. An example of this, we can see Biden in his interview with Charlemagne during the campaign when Biden said, quote, I'll tell you what, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. So Biden seems to clearly state here that he believes he owns black people or owns the black experience and that anyone who doesn't vote for him is a race traitor. And I thought generalizing about a minority group was racist. Well, it is. It's just not racist when Democrats do it. Another example of this is that Twitter allowed a racist slur to trend on its um, page for hours because it was against Tim Scott, a Republican. So the quote was hashtag Uncle Tim, and it was an after Tim, uh, Tim Scott's response to Joe Biden's State of the Union. And this just goes to show that Democrats are okay if you're racist towards black people as long as they're Republican or as long – they don't even have to be Republican. They just don't have to uh, agree with the radical left's racist agenda. So I wonder why there's a divide in this country. It's because – the radical Democrats are the ones who want to foster and grow it. That's the reason why, because they and it's because they believe that it'll help them keep power. Another 4th of July blow-up that happened this year was NPR. They posted an absolutely asinine tweet on the 4th of July. The thread reads, quote, 245 years ago today, leaders representing the 13 British colonies signed a document to declare independence. It says, quote, all men are created equal, unquote, but women, enslaved people, indigenous people, and many others were not held as equal at that time. The document also includes a racist slur against indigenous Americans. Author David Truer, who is a Native American, says there's a lot of diversity of opinion and thought amongst Native Americans, a community of more than 5 million people, about the document's words. They quote the author saying, quote, we remain committed to forcing this country to live up to its own stated ideals. NPR continues, in this thread of the Declaration of Independence, you see a document with flaws and deeply ingrained hypocrisies. It also laid the foundation for this country's collective aspirations, the hopes of what America could be. 
And as we're going to dive into this article and this tweet thread just to see how pervasive and toxic critical race theory is to America. Uh, David Truer sees the American Revolution this way. He says, um, quote, But a deeper look at history also shows that one of the reasons why the colonists wanted to rise up against the British and wage the Revolutionary War was over the question of who would try to colonize the, la- the native lands west of the colonies. Truer tells the Morning Edition, The Crown wanted the money for themselves. The colonists, understandably, would have preferred to have kept it for themselves. So the whole revolution was in large part fought over who would take our stuff, he says. And of course, just like Cory Bush, he has no sources for such a horrible comment. And this is just a perverse, immoral, dark way of viewing the American Revolution. But it's perfectly in line with critical theory, critical race theory, which views everything in, in the, using the lens of oppression. So just we'll throw out the fact that America was that the war was actually fought over self-governance, self-determination, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, all that jazz, um, and just really, really just focusing on the lens of oppression because it's politically, you know, it serves our political purpose. The article also shows the hypocrisy in the less way of viewing America, and Ben Shapiro in his podcast this week actually had a great thought on this, and I will try to do it justice. He essentially said that the left tries to have it both ways, where they pretend that America was founded on racism from the start, but that we'd and and that we didn't live up to our ideals in our founding documents. But if America was racist from the start and we're racist now, then there's no hypocrisy. Then the then the founding documents actually did what they were supposed to do. Does that does that kind of make sense? But. If the founding documents are hypocritical, which a lot of Americans believe they were because they say things like all men are created equal while black Americans were still enslaved, you know, while we did horrible things to the Native Americans, you know, that's where the hypocrisy is because that statement was actually supposed to mean all men of all races, of all creeds, you know, and men and women, of course. So that's what it was supposed to mean. So that's why it's hypocritical, but it can't be hypocritical if it was founded for racism, you know, if it said all white men are created equal, Ben Shapiro says that if all if it said all white men are created equal, well, then then there'd be no issue. Well, of course, it'd be the racist issue, but then it wouldn't be hypocritical. That's what I mean. Um, it wouldn't be hypocritical because the left believes that America's racist now. Did you kind of follow me? I know you, it can it can be hard to follow that thought, um, but you know. There was an ideal to live up to that America didn't at the time that the Declaration of Independence was written, but has made leaps and strides, and I would argue lives up to this ideal now. And that's why I just want to, you know, we've got, that's why I just want to read this part from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. I mean, what a wise statement. What a wise statement. And of course, America didn't, from the offset, live up to these ideals. But the founding fathers, who were so wise, so wise, set up a system that could correct itself and eventually realize the promises that were made. That is the ideal that America has achieved in creating the most racially tolerant society on the face of the planet. It's so tolerant that the president actually discriminates against the majority in favor of the minority. For example, Biden's restaurant fund, his COVID fund, 
was shot down by a federal judge because it discriminated unfairly against white restaurant owners. And the only other racist laws in America discriminate against whites, see affirmative action. So to pretend um, that America was, hasn't lived up to these ideals is really, it's just short-sighted, it's, it's ignorant and politically divisive. But once again, there is a reason, there's a reason, reason why they have to make Americans see America this way. Sorry, I know I get worked up, but I just really, really hate the intentional misrepresentation of American history, of American history for political gain. So to kind of combat this, I've pushed myself to do a course from Hillsdale College titled The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. It's free. I highly recommend it. I only did the first lesson so far. Link will be in the podcast uh, description. In it is a quote from the professor's book, also titled, quote, Land of Hope, an invitation to the great American story that was very, very enlightening. It says, one of the worst sins of the present is its tendency to condescend towards the past, which is much easier to do when one doesn't know the full context of that past or try to grasp the nature of its challenges as they presented themselves at the time, which is from this quote from Wilfred McClay. This is exactly what Cory Bush and NPR are doing. They narcissistically believe that everyone in the past uh, is morally beneath them and that they are the peak of morality. But every society believed they were the peak of morality. Everyone believed they were the most moral. And I bet future generations will look down at us and wonder why we didn't address a certain issue a certain way. But they will have the ability of hindsight, much like we do now, which is always 2020. And... Uh, the course also says in its introduction, you know, these are just from my notes, that good history is to recreate the most accurate factual representation of the past and that sympathy is required to understand historical characters. The, uh, it talks about how these characters have – they don't have the ability to see in the future much like we don't today. You know, they're making decisions with the best known information they have at that time and they're acting in a particular culture. We can't reread events in the past using our place here in the present because of course we'll see things wrong but the left doesn't want you to do that doesn't want you to do that they want you to be historically ignorant and it is historical ignorant uh ignorance and this whole critical race theory is ignorance and it's being taught in our schools if we don't want our kids to be indoctrinated to hate america we have to go on the offensive and ban c uh crt from our schools Okay, I am getting off my soapbox for now. We're going to switch gears into how Generous Joe saved us 16 cents on our 4th of July barbecue, even though we're paying more for everything else. So if you're like me, you spent the 4th of July out barbecuing with your friends or family, or maybe both. But did you know that your 4th of July meal was cheaper this year than last year? No, you didn't know that? You didn't know that because you spent a dollar more per gallon driving to the grocery store? Oh, uh, no, because inflation is slowly growing out of control under Biden? Well, that actually may all be true. But the White House decided to tweet a completely tone-deaf tweet uh, this 4th of July saying, Planning a f- cookout this year? Catch up, nice pun, on the news. According to the Farm Bureau, the cost of a 4th of July BBQ is down from last year. It's a fact that you must hear, duh, must, 
Must heard. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't get that one. Hot dog. Oh, there, there's another one. The Biden economic plan is working. And that's something we can all relish. Wow. Just so, so much comedy. Um, and they cited, once again, they cited the Farm Bureau, which isn't a government organization. I searched online for a few minutes trying to find this Farm Bureau, but uh, like a farmbureau.gov, but it doesn't exist. However, um, it does seem to be a private entity that tries to increase agricultural awareness. Um, so that's an interesting thing. Maybe Joe, Joe Biden cited the Farm Bureau because he didn't want to cite his own uh, economic, the, he didn't want to cite the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is actually quite, quite damning to him and his platform, but he decided to stick with the Farm Bureau. Let's see what they said. According to the Farm Bureau website, quote, an analysis reveals the average cost of a summer cookout for 10 people remains affordable at $59.50, or less than $6 a person. The cost of the cookout is down just 16 cents, less than 1% from last year, but 8% higher compared to 2019. So looking back at that, we can obviously see that where Biden gets the 16 cents from, because it does say, plain as day, that the cost of a cookout is down 16 cents from 2020. But the important thing to remember is that we were in the middle of the COVID pandemic in 2020. The pandemic had impacted supply chains, uh, another means of production, which drove down supply, which in turn drives up cost. If you can remember the supply demand, uh, you know, that you probably learned in high school. So we were we were dealing with some inflation and definitely some inflated prices in 2020. But I'm surprised Biden doesn't want to compare his economy right now to 2019, where it's eight, according to the Farm Bureau, it's 8% higher. The cost of a cookout for 10 people is 8% higher. Uh, according to the Farm Bureau, the price of a cookout in 2019 was 5488 And 2020, just another you know, insert here, this is mid-pandemic, where supply chains were low, supplies low, and prices are artificially inflated, was 5966 So that's a pretty significant jump from 2019 to 2020, but you have to remember why we jumped that high in 2020. Then, so now we're in 2021, where the pandemic is pretty much over now that vaccinations are on the rise. You know, supply chains are starting to come back online. Um, and Biden celebrates this Biden celebrates him and his administration and his economic plan essentially keeping the inflated prices for a cookout. He, that's why he's bragging about this 16 cents. And once again, it's such a small accomplishment. I'm surprised he's even bragging about it. Normally, such a small accomplishment is actually more of an embarrassment because he came in with his, quote, build back better plan. And if all he can do is save 16 cents on already inflated prices, I don't really have much hope for the rest of his plan. Because in order, and this quote unquote 16 cent savings is also on the back of a dollar gas hike on top of, you know, energy prices going up and in term and uh, increase in food prices going up. But of course, uh, Biden wants to ignore that. And that's why he cites the Farm Bureau instead of his own Bureau of Labor Statistics or, you know, a government agency. And, uh, you know, he has his loyal, you know, brain let's go out there and try to defend him. Uh, an example of this is Jen Circleback Basaki, who is dancing around legitimate question and really just not even answering it, just kind of going off hot dogs, hot dogs, hot dogs, um, 
as she tries to celebrate this 16 cents in savings. And oppose the American Rescue Plan, and I don't have time to read out all their names today. Okay, on another subject, the official White House account tweeted yesterday, the cost of a 4th of July cookout is down 16 cents from last year. 16 cents? There, there has been a reduction in some of the costs of key components of the 4th of July, a 4th of July barbecue. So that was it, what the tweet was noting. So does the White House think that 16 cents off a of barbecue has more of an impact on people's lives than gas being a dollar more this time? Uh, this I would say if you don't like hot dogs, you may not care of the reduction of cost. You don't have to like hot dogs. But a reduction of I will say dog. that what we are most focused on is the fact that we've created now more than three million jobs since the president took office. That's what we're focused on and continuing to implement additional uh, components of his economic build back better agenda. Go ahead, Andrea. Yeah, just gonna switch gears completely. Great. Yeah. <laughs> hot dog. I mean I, I just can't believe the media lets her get away with this. Now, obviously, she I think she's being questioned by a Fox News anchor, but like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, just complete radio silence. I can't believe they let her get away with this. So if you're listening to this podcast and you still think the media is unbiased, just do a little thought experiment here. Put any one of Trump's press secretaries in there and imagine how they would just have been eaten alive by the leftist media, how they would have just just absolutely blasted that person up on stage. And imagine the hours, the hours that would have been spent on CNN, MSNBC, etc., you know, quote-unquote debunking this lie about the 16-cent savings. Because, of course, then they would have been bringing up the hike in gas prices. They would have been bringing up the general inflation in groceries and restaurants and all that. But instead, we just get to get a media that, lo- that you know, rolls on its back and lets Biden, you know, scratch their belly as they just completely drool they drool over this this president who's you know who's done nothing but they're gonna pretend that he that he's doing everything um so it's just it's really slimy and disgusting coming from your mainstream media here uh like i said before uh, gas is up a dollar from the pre-pandemic prices so i'm glad you all saved 16 cents this fourth of july and then spent an extra, you know, anywhere from 15 to $30 filling up your cars to go to the grocery store. But I'm glad you all had a good holiday weekend. So now let's get to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you know, findings that Biden conveniently didn't want to cite for um, his 4th of July tweet. They say that uh, the beef index, so how much we're paying for beef, rose 2.3% in May. And here's the real kicker. It says the gasoline index rose 56.2% since May 2020. 56.2%. So you're paying about you're paying 50% more per gallon now under Biden than you were a year ago under Trump mid 2020 uh, COVID pandemic. It's just bonkers, and it's bonkers that Biden wants to celebrate the 16 cents as a win because, like I said, you know, 50% of $2 roughly, which was the national average under Trump, um, is a dollar. So that's – you're on average paying $3 a gallon now if you were paying $2 a gallon back then, and, you know, you're feeling that. You know, you're feeling that hit your wallet. Um, but I'm so glad that Biden can just keep dancing around celebrating this real non-victory while continuing to essentially just screw over the American public. Um, and then the USD, uh, USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, also released a study that said um, 
food at home prices, so how much you pay for grocery store food, are expected to increase between 2 and 3% in 2021. Uh, so you're looking at a 2 two to 3% increase in you know, rising costs for your groceries. So we're looking at inflation there too. And even restaurants are going to be impacted. Food away from home prices are expected to increase between um, 3 and 4%. So restaurant prices are going to go up even more than our uh, grocery store prices. You know, thanks, Biden. Thank you for this, quote, build back better BS, you know, that isn't really helping Americans. We're seeing that we're paying way, way more for groceries and especially in gas than we were under Trump. So I think I think his economic policies are bad and they're really hurting Americans. And, you know, these are just the facts, facts that say so. So we are seeing a 2 to 3% inflation rate in our grocery stores, but, but don't worry, everyone. Biden's economic plan is working. But the worst part is, you know, as bad as Biden's economic plan is, it's kind of getting helped along by the fact that the economy is naturally recovering from an artificial pan, uh, depression or recession due to the COVID-19 p- pandemic. So just by the fact that the American economy is getting back rolling, we're going to see, you know, positive numbers, even though Joe Biden's plan is really hurting us um, in terms of price inflation. So we may not see the full effect of Biden's economic blunders for potentially years to come. Um, But, you know, another, but some people think that it may be sooner than that. Like I said, I don't want to be a Bill Mayer here and hope for an economic depression. I'm hoping um, the American people can get wise up can, um, you know, wisen up to Biden's economic blunders and essentially take the House and the Senate away from him in 2022. I'm just praying he doesn't do anything so dumb to, um, to destroy the country before the Republicans can get the House and Senate back to him. But, you know, continuing along ec- um, Biden's economic, you know, poor performance, his economic blunders, the Bureau of Labor Statistics again said over the last 12 months, the all-index price, so essentially the price for all items, you know, in our economy increased 5% before the seasonal adjustment. Quote, this was the largest 12-month increase since a 5.4% increase for the period ending in August 2008. So for all of you following along at home, we have now hit 2008 levels of inflation, which, you know, newsflash was under the Biden, what, you know, Biden was leading that recovery with the Obama administration. Um, Now, of course, all this, inf- all this inflation it, uh, can't be blamed on Biden. There was going to be some inflation as the economy reopened, you know, as demand started to go up. It's going to drive up prices. Uh, you know, there is – we are still seeing that slow supply chain, um, you know. So we are – we do still have low supply for some items, which is obviously going to ha- bring up prices. We, so we were expecting some inflation. Just the what Biden's hoping is that his economic plans will won't – keep the inflation increasing. He's hoping that it will just be a transitory thing, which is he really needs. He really, um, really wants these economic wins. That's why he's focusing so hard on the 16 cents that he saved. Um, because if the Democrats and Biden start, you know, to lose this battle of the economy, like they already are with this increase in price, um, he's just going to get decimated in the midterm elections.
just to show um, really Biden's fear about losing the midterms in 2020, I have this political article titled, quote, Inflation Summer versus Recovery Summer, Biden's Fight to Win the Narrative. This little subheading says the Republicans have used the price spikes to attack the administration's big spending plans and response to the pandemic. The article begins saying, quote, Joe Biden faces a daunting task over the summer months, convincing Americans struggling to return to to a normal life that rising prices on everything from gasoline to food to airline tickets won't last. Like I said before, Biden's kind of really banking that this inflation is transitory. The article continues, Republicans seeing a potential repeat of Barack Obama's, quote, recovery summer of 2010, when the economy suddenly backslid after emerging from the Great Recession, have used the spikes to attack the administration's big spending plans and response to the pandemic. That will put pressure on the White House to go all out in the coming months to convince the American people that despite recent setbacks, including lower than expected job gains, the economy is on the right path. So like I said, you know, this is Biden's got to really, really campaign hard for these next few months, really banking on the fact that the inflation is going to is going to come back down um, to convince the American people to keep the Democrats in power for the 2022 midterm elections. Uh, The author writes, quote, employment growth may be disappointing to some economists, but Biden officials note that wages are rising. Just quick side note, which which can also drive up inflation. Obviously, when people are being paid more, uh, businesses have to, that's a big expense for businesses, so they raise their costs. You know, it's just kind of like a downward spiral, which, you know, just a little sidebar again, which is why the fight for 15 is kind of dumb because let's say everyone gets a $15 minimum wage, all the prices are going to go up to adjust for that. You know, we'll see an inflation in price. But sorry, getting back to the article, it said, inflation is hitting consumers, but the Federal Reserve consider, considers it transitory, they hope. Homeowners may have to wait months for furniture or appliance deliveries, but that's because the economy is roaring back faster than predicted. And the administration wants to pour trillions more into the economy with child care options, free preschool, and other benefits for workers, especially at the lower end of the income scale. They quote um, one of Biden's economic advisors saying, quote, from the start, we were clear that inflation would firm as the rescue plan got shots in arms and checks in pockets, said Jared Bernstein, a member of Joe of Biden's Council of Economic Advisors. The reason why these pressures are upon us is getting lost. There's an extremely robust recovery afoot with strong job creation and wage gains for workers who finally have some bargaining clout. So I am offended that a government official unironically used the word clout. But I will just kind of breeze over that. But like I said, this is the mission that that they want to push, and they're not completely wrong. There was going to be some inflation as the economy got back in order, you know, as people got back to work. But the Biden administration is going to keep pushing that this inflation is expected and transitory. So just sit down, shut up, and enjoy your 16 cents, you know, savings on your hot dog. The article continues, the extent to which Biden and the White House can pull off this argument and actually deliver on their promises will determine whether a recent dip in the president's approval ratings proves to be temporary or portends a slide that could put Democrats in serious jeopardy heading into the 2022 midterms. So, um, like I said before, so this is why Biden needs to keep pushing this message because he's afraid of what the 2022 midterms can bring. The article quotes a Mammoth University poll that says 
Um, Biden's approval rating slipped to 48% from 54% in April, with 47% of Americans very concerned about rising prices. According to aggregate poll numbers from 538, 52.7% of voters approve of the job Joe Biden is doing, down from 55% high early this year. So if Biden slips below 50%, that's pretty indicative that he will lose the House and probably the Senate in 2022. In recent, uh, in all, uh, you know, most recent presidents from Bush's second term through Trump, they've, including Obama, so I guess Bush's second term, Obama and Trump, they've all had a um, below a 50% approval rating going into the midterms. And, you know, all together, so Bush's second term, Obama's first and second, and Trump's first, they lost a combined 146 seats in the House of Representatives. Um, Barack Obama lost 63 House seats in 2010, and then in 2014, he lost nine Senate seats. So Barack Obama holds uh, the most seats lost of any president since 2000. So the fact that the Democrats hold the slimmest possible majority in the Senate, just the fact that Kamala Harris is their tiebreaker, and a paper-thin majority in the House, a lot is riding on these midterms. And so far... Joe Biden's economic blunders are kind of blowing it. The political article continues. Economists suggest that while the declines are small, they reflect growing anxiety about higher prices and the possible impact of Biden's big spending plans. It quotes um, the U.S. Economist at the research for, firm, sorry, for high-frequency economics, Rubella Faroki, the issue right now is really about people's psyches and how they are feeling about this and how persistent all these high prices will be. For the White House, it's a tricky situation, and all they can do is stick to their messaging that this is all temporary and will ease up. But if it doesn't, the Federal Reserve will have to act, and that will certainly slow down the economy. On Friday, the Commerce Department reported that the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, a key inflation indicator that the Fed uses to set policy, rose 3.4% in May from the same time last year, the biggest increase since 1992. Overall prices are up 3.9% from last year, the biggest gain since 2008 when oil prices soared. Personal income declined 2% in May, but that largely resulted from an inflated April number when stimulus checks went out. The inflation figures were not above Wall Street expectations and partly reflected the depressed state of the economy last year, like I was saying before. But they are nonetheless being felt by consumers who face higher prices on cars, ride-sharing services, hotels, food, gas, and other items, even as the pace of jobs returning from the pandemic has slowed down. So that's the dangerous thing. If the pace of jobs continues to slow down, we start to get into trouble and we can possibly see stagflation. The article continues, and employers are struggling to find the workers they need to serve increasing consumer demand, a trend that worries White House officials. So like I said, demand's going up, that's going to drive up prices, and if there's no supply, that can really drive up prices, um, and we can really, really start to see some inflation getting really, really fast bad. But why? Why are employers struggling to find workers? You know, why, why is that? Well, the article answers it for us. 
It said, the hope inside the West Wing is that by the end of the summer, when enhanced federal unemployment benefits are scheduled to expire, workers who are currently sitting on the sidelines will pour back into the labor market, easing some of the pressure on employers to offer outsized bonuses and other perks just to get people back to work. So little, in case you missed it, the reason why um, we are seeing a slower, you know, than expected jobs growth or people getting back to work is because we are currently paying people more to sit at home than to actually work. So why did Biden extend these benefits then? You know, the pandemic was over. Why is he waiting for them to expire? It's like, it just, it just really, really boggles my mind. And we could see, we could be in potentially in a big, big economic problem here because of that. Like I said before, if, there's no supply and high demand and prices just go through the roof, we could see this inflation could be more than just transitory. It could be more of just the, quote, summer of inflation that Biden really hopes it is, and it could be the years of inflation. The article keeps going on. It's a tricky, it's tricky calculus since the administration wants to see higher wages for workers, but not the kind that can send inflation spiraling and force the Fed to bump up interest rates faster than it wants and potentially choke off growth. So like I said before, Biden bragging about employees getting higher wages is just going to increase inflation, could make this problem worse. Um, the sentiment reflects the thinking of progressives of the Democratic Party. But there's significant concern among economists that overly generous jobless benefits are at least part of what's keeping workers away from the labor force and that higher wages, while generally welcome, can stoke inflation. So I think I've been proven right three times by this article now. And it's Politico. It's not necessarily um, – I didn't pull this off you know, Blaze.com or Breitbart.com. This is Politico. They're not generally very friendly to conservatives. It's a, and they, can, they keep writing, and Republicans continue to seize on the inflation numbers to suggest that buying spending plans and easy money policies from the Fed risk even higher prices that could slam consumers and undercut growth that is expected, that is expected to be robust both this year and next. I mean, no duh, right? Uh, especially if this is going to hurt Biden in the polls. Of course, Republicans are going to seize on it, and they should. Biden's economic plans are not working out for the American people. They're driving up prices, and we're feeling the brunt of that. We're going from potentially one of the most prosperous times in America just and absolutely flipping after the coronavirus pandemic when we could see out-of-control inflation. Um, Rep. Kevin Brady of Texas the top Republican on the Tax Writing House Ways and Means Committee, tweeted on Friday that Biden was, quote, blowing it on the economy. 549,000 fewer jobs in 2021 than the last five months. Prices rising twice as fast as paychecks, inflation highest in 13 years. Uh, and, like I, and like I commented before in the podcast, Republicans are also continuing to hammer away at pri- on higher gas prices, a sensitive spot for Democrats, especially as Americans hit the road this summer for vacations and family visits long postponed by the pandemic. Rep. Jim Jordan of Ohio, the ranking Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, tweeted this week, average gas price in June 2020 was 221 in June 2021, it's 307. So almost a dollar increase, like I was saying earlier in this podcast. He says, President Biden's economy. And then Politico gets Pisaki's brilliant reply that um, they say, 
<sighs> that prompted a sharp retort from White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, indicating the administration is sensitive to the impact of higher fuel prices can have on overall consumer sentiment. And they quote her tweet, you forgot to mention that gas prices are the same now as they were in June 2018. Or that this time last year, unemployment was 11.1%, today is 5.8%. Pisaki snapped back at Jordan. Actually, they say she tweeted back at Jordan, but you get him, girl. Pisaki clapped back at Jordan. So Jordan got owned. Except not really. Um, unemployment should be low. Last year, we were in the middle of a pandemic. So what she's saying, um, last year, employment was 11.1%. Remember, the government was literally paying people to stay at home and literally, I'm not meaning that figuratively, literally forced people to stay home and closed businesses. So of course, unemployment is going to be high during the midst of a pandemic. But the pre-pandemic unemployment was below 4%. It was, a, it was 35 to 3.6% from September to March of 2019 to 2020. So for about six months, we have an, empl- we have an unemployment rate at about 3.5, 3.6%. And then even, even after the pandemic, by December of 2020, unemployment was at 6.7%. It was cut almost in half before Biden even took office. This isn't an accomplishment Biden can take credit for. Like I said, he wasn't in office. He can't claim that he brought unemployment from 11.1% down to 5.8%. He brought it from 67 to 5.8%. Less than a percentage point. And the economy is reopening. Right? The economy is reopening. We should see employment should be way, way lower than that. But no, Biden's economic policies, like the article says, paying people to stay at home is partly responsible. No, it, it has a large part in why we're seeing low job increases and, and increase in prices is because when you pay people stay at home, of course, they're not going to work. Right. So we've got to call out Biden on this BS and his economic recovery BS. He is he was in charge of the longest economic recovery, you know, the, the recovery that brought us out of 2008 with Barack Obama. So I I just can't wait to see how he blows this one. Like I said, I am just crossing my fingers and crossing my toes. We don't have a major economic crisis before the Republicans can retake the House and the Senate in 2020. So it was just, it was a very illuminating political article. Like I said, not necessarily friendly to conservatives, but really, really points out why Biden is, you know, doing his little happy dance over the 16 cents. He's desperately trying to control the narrative that his economic plan is working when it's, ac- when it's actually quite clear that it's failing. A different article that kind of commented on these concerns that I have for stagflation is a, actually an uh, article by CNBC that says, quote, key inflation indicator posts the biggest year-over-year gain in nearly three decades. Um, They say that, quote, a separate part of Thursday's report showed that consumer spending was flat for the month versus the estimate for a 0.4% increase, while personal income declined 2% less than the expected 2.7% decline. Those numbers have also been distorted primarily by government stimulus checks that had sharply boosted income and spending. So the flat consumer spending is really, really worrisome. 
stagnant consumer spending plus inflation essentially equals stagflation. So we're beginning to see, like I said before, a potential economic crisis on our hands. So this second article also talks about that increase you know, in consumer price index of 3.4% from last year, which is the biggest increase since 2008. And I just want to remind everyone that Biden and Obama tried to lead us out of the 2008 recession and just prolongated it essentially until Trump took office. There was some recovery, but Trump was finally able to really get the economy back going, took us to new heights. And now Biden is creating a potential deadly combination with stagflation of the 1970s and a 2008 recession. And based on his track record, he's definitely not the man I want leading this charge. So I'm glad you all enjoyed your 16 cent cheaper hot dogs this 4th of July, but we could potentially see some very, very concerning storms on the horizon. So tune in next week to find out how Republicans are actually responsible for defunding the police. Thanks. Have a great week. Do you like what you heard? Do you want to hear more from the Big Red for America team? Go down to the link below to get links to our Instagram, Twitter, Substack, and website. And as always, tune in next week to hear our most recent show. Thank you.